Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Aloha, everyone. We're starting the week so refreshed and full of nature. Yes! Well, definitely full of nature, but I'm not going to agree with you on being refreshed. Ah, don't mind him. We had a really nice Sunday in Walden Pond. What else could a person ask for? I admit Walden is incredible indeed. Only if you're clever enough to make sure you've got enough gas to go back home. I mean, I just wanted a day trip. I wasn't planning to settle in Walden like Henry David Thoreau. Just to make it clear for everyone, we spontaneously decided to drive to Walden Pond last Sunday. Which was my brilliant idea. Yeah, also, you had that brilliant idea to fill only half of the gas tank. Instead of taking a walk by the lake, we ended up walking to find a gas station. Ah, come on, it was our mini survival adventure. Didn't you still have a lot of fun, though? I can admit it served so well for a purpose. At some point, we got lost, but we also found what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, so buckle up, fellas, and hold tight. This is your captain speaking. We're going to be flying a lot today. Let's kick the tires and light some fires. I'm not sure how you feel while flying on a plane, but sometimes I can't stop having some crazy scenarios in my mind. Eh, it's more like a cradle for me. I start sleeping like a baby. Let's see if you could sleep like a baby this time. So our plane is called Air Canada 143, supposed to fly from Montreal to Ottawa, I guess. Pre-flight check time. Do you know how fuel loading works for airplanes? Uh, I guess it should be through a device calculating? True. But there was a problem with the computer, so the maintenance crew was calculating the fuel load manually. Ugh, that sounds a bit stressful. I mean, they checked it like three times, and everything seemed fine. She reached Ottawa with no problem, but Captain Robert Pearson sensed there was something wrong, so he had her checked again. Uh-huh. Well, did anything come up? Nope. With his co-pilot, Maurice Quintal, they also concluded that she had around 45,000 pounds of fuel, which was more than enough. So they took off for Edmonton, but in fact, they had about half of that, around 22,300 pounds. Ooh, that's not good. How could they even miss it if they checked it like a thousand times? Well, there was one thing everyone missed out. Canada was switching from the imperial system of measurement to metric back then. So all the new planes, including this beauty, were programmed into a metric system. Wow, foiled by the metric system. Does it mean the crew calculated the necessary fuel intake according to pounds instead of kilos? Exactly. So since one kilogram is around two pounds, the crew was filling the tank with the given number, thinking that it was supposed to be in pounds. It should have had 22,300 kilograms on board, but instead they calculated as 22,300 pounds which is actually equal to 10,000 kilograms. Oh man, half the amount needed. So what exactly happened when the last drop of fuel was used up? Well, they were already 41,000 feet high. At first, the left wing gave some warning, but it wasn't a serious thing. The plane could still fly. Then when the second warning appeared, they knew they literally got in a pickle. You know, you'd think they'd at least check the fuel gauge. <laughs> 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm really wondering how this is going to end up as a survival story. Well, thanks to our experienced captains, they decided to change the course to a closer place for an emergency landing. However, after a while, both engines stopped working entirely. In that case, they had to say goodbye to George as well. (laughs) Can you see my goosebumps? Man, if we were the pilots on that plane, we'd be sweating it out instead of joking around as usual. Uh, Who was George, BTW? George is a nickname used for the autopilot system. Captain Pearson and Quintal were also terrified. They were checking the manuals, but there was no instruction for a complete shutdown situation. Wouldn't auto be a better name for that? Anyway, didn't they get in touch with the air traffic control? Well, no engines, no radar responder. They couldn't speak to anyone. Whoa, how did they even figure it out then? Well, eventually, they had to use an old-fashioned ruler to understand how far they'd come and how much longer they could go. With this method, they could calculate the plane's descent rate, but it was really hard to control the plane with no hydraulic pressure. Were they still able to glide it down to the nearest place? Captain Pearson was a highly experienced glider, so they had a slight chance. Also, Maurice Quintal thought of an Air Force base in Gimli Town nearby that he was really familiar with from his time in the service. You know what? This was no longer in use. Huh, how about that? Perfect chance for a safe landing. Well, before you decide, hear this. First, they were still too high to descend properly. The only option was to go for the forward slip technique. This could be possible with the smaller planes, but not with this commercial one. Pearson had tons of experience in forward slip, and he knew that he had no other option but to give it a try. Second, the abandoned base was turned into a motorsports park, and right on that day, there was a race. It was full of people enjoying this beautiful day. No way! Oh, the captains didn't see them? Uh, they didn't realize it at first. Plus, it was too late to divert the plane. It was just gliding in silence. Wow, imagine you're just chilling with your friends, chit-chatting, and then there's this giant bird coming towards you. Ah, luckily, people saw it coming and got out of the way on time. Thank goodness. Well, how was the landing? Did they manage it well? Captain Pearson hit the brakes once they touched the ground, the plane shifted forward, and the front wheels went back into its body. Oh, causing more friction. And that's good in a way, right? Exactly. So it made it stop even earlier. What happened to the people in the event? Was anyone hurt? Believe it or not, not a single passenger, crew member, or park goer was seriously hurt. The plane stopped 100 feet away from them. Whew. Now, history remembers this incident as the Gimli Glider. That's just insane. (laughs) I really thought it was going to end badly. It could have, if our pilots hadn't been so experienced. After the incident, some other pilots tried to land a plane under the same circumstances in a simulator. But all their attempts led to crashes. Ah, well, our pilots definitely deserved some rewards. Yeah, they both received an outstanding airmanship diploma. Maurice Quintal got a promotion to be a captain. Captain Pearson flew with the same company for 10 more years. And what happened to the plane? It kept flying for 25 more years. They sent it to the Mojave Desert for retirement. 
Our captains and some of the crew members joined in her last journey and had a chance to say goodbye. No kidding. That's really touching. I know, right? They truly shared maybe their most difficult moments with each other. Yeah, well, in cases like that, I mean, you feel more empowered by the person next to you. At least they were all together. And that's not the same case for 17-year-old Julianne, who was literally lost in the Amazon forests. Hmm, why am I sensing a deja vu right now? Oh, come on. I mean, at least we didn't have to walk 11 days by the river like her. Okay, okay. I can say ours was slightly safer, since we were not dinner for hungry jaguars. Anyways, I'm leaving the mic to you. Thank you. Okay, so Julianne Kepke took a plane from Lima to Pacalpa the day after her graduation. She was going there with her mom to join her father's Amazon forest research. Back then, their only option was Lanza Airlines. Wait, I remember they already had a bad reputation with some other crashes, right? Yeah, on December 24, 1971, they were going to add a new one to the records. They already had a delay due to the bad weather conditions that day, but still the plane took off and, not surprisingly, they got into really bad turbulence. I guess that's the part where the heartbeats begin. You got it. They were in the middle of constant thunder and lightning at that moment, so the plane's moving up and down. You could even see luggage and all sorts of stuff flying around. And a few minutes later, a bolt of lightning struck the plane, and it went into a nosedive. Phew, for Thor's sake. Can't even think how people felt in that moment. Well, according to Julianne, everything was breaking into pieces. And what's worse, she was head over heels hanging and went into a 10,000-foot freefall from the sky. There's no way she survived that fall. You'd think that, but she did. She had no consciousness at that moment, but probably the jungle leaves and branches slowed down her fall. The jungle was so dense that aircraft couldn't even spot the wreckage during the search after the fall. But still, I think she must have had serious injuries. Yeah, her collarbone did get broken, and she had deep cuts on her arms and legs as well. She was together with her mom, right? Yeah, but unfortunately, she didn't make it. Julianne was all alone, injured in the middle of a dangerous forest, but her survival instincts took over, and she decided to move on. Now, earlier you mentioned that they were going to visit her father's Amazon Research Center or something like that. I think she must have had some knowledge about it. Well said, Inspector Gadget! Well, thankfully, her father taught her a lot of things about the rainforest, including the follow the downstream if you want to find civilization rule. Okay, at this point, we can cover the dehydration issue on the way as well. But what about the food? No fruits to eat? Yeah, you got it. Since it was the rainy season, there were no fruits to pick up. At the crash site, she found a bag of candies, and that would be her only food for the next 10 days. Ugh. If you were in her place, I think you'd definitely eat it all up at once. Hey, don't try to change the subject to my love of candy, okay? Now come on, let's keep on the story. Our character's racing against time. Ah, okay. Go on, please. How on earth did she manage to go all the way without being a prey to a jaguar or a poisonous snake? It's so difficult to recognize them. So Julianne was patient enough to test the area before every step she took. She was throwing her only shoe ahead, then moving forward. It was super hot during the day and super cold during the night. She had to find a quicker way. So she decided to swim in the middle of the river. Taking the risk of piranhas and alligators? That's insane. Well, even though piranhas didn't bite her, insects did when she was trying to sleep. On the 10th day of her survival, she managed to reach a boat. 
She couldn't even believe it was real. She also saw a hut nearby. Finally, back to civilization. Well, she did have to spend the night there before she finally saw people. But the last thing that she did before she fainted was get rid of maggots that were infecting her wounds by pouring gasoline over them. Ooh, she's a real survivor. What was the reaction of the folks when they found her? The men who found her were completely shocked. I mean, imagine you see this blonde girl out of nowhere like a goddess or a figure from legend. Well, I don't think there's any goddess with some maggot wounds in any tradition. Huh, maybe there is. Who knows? Anyway, they treated her wounds, gave her something to eat, and took her to the hospital. When she regained consciousness, she could finally tell what happened to her in detail. Was she the only survivor? The only one. I am so amazed by her tenacity to stay alive. Shall we move on to our common survival story research? Okay then, dear passengers, we're taking you to Honolulu with Aloha Airlines this time. It'd be better if we said, we'll try to take you to Honolulu, because obviously, this plane will have to change its course like the other ones. This time, our captain is Robert Schornsteimer, and his co-pilot is Madeline Tompkins. On April 28, 1988, they conducted the regular pre-flight inspection of this Boeing 737, and nothing seemed wrong. So they take off and arrive first in Maui and then to Hilo with no problems. When the plane parked in Hilo, the pilots didn't leave the cockpit since it was not a requirement. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Finally, it was time for the routine round trip. There were 89 passengers, two pilots, and three flight attendants, and a traffic controller. They take off and they get to 24,000 feet. Not so long after they hear this incredibly scary sound of crack. When they look over their shoulders to see what happened, there is this clear blue sky. Oops, where's the roof of the plane? We will never know. An 18 and a half foot long part of the roof tears off the jet because of the decompression. Could you continue sleeping like babies this time? Yeah, I just put on my mask and then continue. Well, while you continue to sleep, the plane starts to roll from side to side. Captain Robert takes over the control for an emergency landing. Mayday, mayday, mayday. Aloha Flight 243 needs an emergency landing on Maui Island. Well, I wish they could receive your message in the first place. Luckily, all the passengers were in their seats at that moment, thanks to the sign. One of them hits her head and faints. The other one tries to calm passengers. <laughs> Isn't that professional? During this time, our pilots try to communicate with each other by using hand gestures. Finally, they manage to send their call as they descend, and Maui Tower starts the preparations for the emergency landing. But actually, the controller can't really hear the call clearly, and he doesn't feel the need to call 911 for an ambulance. In the meantime, when the airplane drops to the right level, the captain hits the speed brakes. They try to lower the landing gear, but it turns out, of course, there's a problem with it. Also, voice 2, it gets worse. There's another issue. The left engine stops working. But still, our pilots manage to land it. And since they can't get informed properly about the situation, there's no ambulance waiting for them. And consider that it's a small island. The max number of ambulances would be like two. 
Luckily, some of the drivers know paramedics, so they could help the people injured right on the runway. And there you have it. So as a quick wrap-up, the reason behind this accident was that it exceeded the number of domestic flights between the islands by two times. Besides, the airplane traveled in a salty and humid environment, which also added to the wear and tear of the plane. Okay, I'll add one last thing. They later find out that this accident could have been prevented because there's a passenger who spots the crack in the fuselage while boarding. She thinks it was not important enough to inform the crew. So, this was our last journey. Hope y'all enjoyed it. For real, buddy, you'll be causing a panic even while closing the podcast. We've been talking about the crashes all day long, and you say, our last journey? Yeah, uh, sorry. You know I meant the last story of the day. Well, don't worry, folks. You'll be hearing more in the following weeks from us. So stay buckled up. Until next time.